She was so proud. She sat in the audience and she watched as her two boys crossed the platform. Caps and gowns, she couldn't imagine a moment where she could have been more proud of these two boys. She sat alone, watching them, knowing how they had cared for each other their whole lives. It actually reminded her of a moment when, um, when the twins were little and they had been outside playing and she was watching them from the back window. She, she was watching out as they, as they sat on the stoop and, and they were covered in mud and dirt. I mean, literally head to toe. They had dust in every crevice of their bodies. Do you guys know dirt snot? Have you cleaned dirt snot before? These boys had dirt snot. They were filthy and dirty, and she watched lovingly out the window as they sat there side by side in deep conversation. And though she didn't know all of it, it went something like this. Hey, Tom, we're brothers, right? Yep, that's right, Mark, we're brothers. We're going to be brothers forever, right? Yep, we'll be brothers forever. I'm going to take care of you, and you're going to take care of me, right? Yep, we'll do that. I think we should shake on it. Well, that sounds like a good idea. I think it should be a spit shake so we can show how serious we are. And so they both take their hands, and Mom's watching, cringing in her mind as she remembers this scene as the boys honk a loogie and spew it onto their hands. And they reach out, dirt and mucus and all, and surely COVID, and they shook hands. Those boys had been inseparable ever since. No father figure in their lives to really guide them, and so they guided each other through mischief and through life. They graduated together. They married and they lived together in a, in a small town, and they, they celebrated as each one of them had children of their own. They stood beside each other at, at weddings, and at the funeral of their mother, they they led the casket as head pallbearers. These boys had a covenant of life and of love that was never going to cease. A covenant that had connected them from birth until the day they took their dying breaths. They loved each other. They trusted each other. They were faithful to one another. A faithfulness that is learned through love, through commitment, through time. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's word today from the book of Hebrews? So while you're standing, I won't do this very long. I'll do a quick recap. Okay, so you guys see the big giants letters back here. Again, if you see Mike Brockert, if you don't know who he is, then you can just pretend somebody. Here's Mike Brockert, right? Mike Brockert built those. He was in first service and did a great job. We are doing Giants of the Faith. It's an eight-week series that started last week. We're going through Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to work through different people's lives. We can't get to everybody because there's more than eight people. Um, but I'd encourage you to read Hebrews 11 um, today on Father's Day. And with our um, very special song that we had, Father Abraham, we all got to work out. You can probably guess where we're going to be today. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed what God called him, obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his, as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith 
for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to the city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. How would you like for the writers to talk about you that way? Yeah, pretty much good as dead. A whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. A nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there was no way to count them. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his own son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. All right, we are going to do a um, we are going to do a Nazarene lesson, a very quick Nazarene lesson for those of you that have never been Nazarene or don't like you just came here because it was a nice building or you have family. I'm sorry, I need a tissue. Um, then I then you're going to get a, a real quick lesson. It also is important uh, so that we can understand the context of the rest of the sermon. Okay, so there are two different beliefs about how people were created and for what purposes we were created for, specifically whenever it comes to gender. Um, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, Paul does this really unique thing. He starts talking to the people about like who we are. We are children of God. What does that mean? And this is what he says. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who've been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to him, you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, it's interesting that he mentions Abraham there, but this whole passage pretty much is telling us a little bit about where our foundation comes from whenever we talk about how we believe genders were created for the glory of God. Now, um, there, is, there is some people who are complementarian. Um, complementarianism is a belief system. Now, that belief system says that male and female were created by God specifically for different roles, and they need to stay within those roles if they are going to receive the blessings that God has for them. So, girls, you have a role just because of your gender. Males, you have a role just because of your gender. That is complementarianism. We are not that in the Church of the Nazarene. Um, that is more of a fundamentalist belief system. We are Wesleyan, and so we come over here to the Wesleyan side. We are egalitarian, if you want to say that ten times fast. Um, egalitarianism means that we are all on equal footing. And that most of that comes from this passage of scripture, where were there still slaves and free people? Absolutely. 
Do we still have nationality, Jews and Gentiles? Yes, we keep our nationality. That doesn't change. Um, Are we still a certain gender? Yes, we're male and female. We have a gender. But in the kingdom of God, when it comes to the way that God treats us, the way God cares for us, the way God gives us, and the way God calls us, none of that matters. So we believe in the Church of the Nazarene that females and males can all fill very similar roles in society and in their callings, that I am not inhibited from being a pastor because I'm a female. And if you're here today, most likely you're in agreement with that because you showed up and you probably knew it was me. So, <laughs> so there's, there's this line where we go, okay, so what does this mean? So that being said, I usually don't just preach to one group of people. And I'm hoping that all groups of people will get something out of this. And I know you will because it's the word of God. It's living and active. It's speaking. It's constantly moving. It doesn't matter who you are. It's going to talk to you today. But gentlemen, I am going to be talking to you. Um, <laughs> on this Father's Day, as we look at Father Abraham, there are some things that rised, that rose up in this for me that I went, man, this is really important for our men to hear. Now, I understand it's from a woman's perspective, um, but I pray that because it's from the word of God that we will be able to sense and see that it is from God's perspective as well. We need men who are giants of the faith because statistically, y'all ain't showing up. So, 60% of women, 47% of men say that faith is an important part of their lives. 64% of women compared to 47% of men say that they are praying regularly. 40% of women compared to 32% of men say that they are attending church on a regular basis. And now I know I'm preaching to the crowd because you guys are here, right? So this isn't, this isn't a bashing ceremony. This is just a, a realizing what's going on. Now those statistics don't seem too far apart. Go, yeah, 60, you know, I mean, some of those statistics are only 7%, Pastor Rachel. Some of them are more like 17, but it doesn't seem like a big gap until you start looking at what the statistics represent numerically. So 42.6 million less men in the United States feel that religion is very important, that their faith is very important. 55.7 million men are praying less than the female counterpart. And 26.2 million men are not attending church in compared to the female counterpart. 26.2 million men in the United States. We need men who are going to be giants of faith, who are going to step up. We live in a nation where 19.7 million children are fatherless. They have no dads in the picture whatsoever. They look a lot like Mark and Tom did, being raised by moms with no male figure in their lives. We need men who are willing to stand up and say, I will lead a legacy of faithfulness in my family. I will love my family the way that Abraham loved his. In Genesis chapter 15, 6, it gives us this really, okay, um, the story of Abraham is really long, and I've only got 18 more minutes. So we're not going to preach the whole sermon of Abraham today. We can't preach his whole life story. We just can't do it all. There's too much. Um, but it really wraps up in this one singular verse in Genesis 15, 6. 
This is what it said about Abraham, that he was counted as righteous. So God said, Abraham's a righteous man. He was counted as righteous because he believed that what God said would happen, would happen. That was it. All of the other things that Abraham did, you think about, like, oh, he married Sarah, and he left his country, and he, he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, and, and all of these amazing things that Abraham did, none of them are listed whenever it comes to a summary of why he was counted as righteous, or ended up being one of our giants of the faith. He was a giant of faithfulness in his family and in his legacy And in our scriptures today, he was worth mentioning in Hebrews chapter 11 because he was a man of God who believed that what God said would happen, would happen. It didn't mean that he didn't mess up. Abraham messed up. We see it. We watch. We notice that that he makes mistakes. It's all throughout scripture, but it didn't matter. In the end, God's forgiveness was able to cover all of that. And his continual return to God showed that his faithfulness to the Lord was a top priority in his life. Being trusting, being faithful. So those of you that have known me for a long time, I've been here three years. Those of you that have known me for at least three years know that I am an activator by nature. Okay, do you know what an activator is? It's like ready, shoot, aim. Um, you guys have an idea, I have already started it. Like, that is just my personality. Now, a lot of times it gets me into trouble. Many of you have been on the other end of an apology that has had to come out of my mouth because I did something like that. And a handful of people laugh because they know it's true. Um, I am an activator. Um, When things are ready to get started, I am ready to go. I love it. It invigorates me. I'm really good at getting things started. Abraham's very first calling that God placed on his life, he says, Abraham, I want you to leave, and I want you to go. Now, we think about the go part when we think of Abraham's story, right? We think about, oh, how God called Abraham to this land, to this place, to this family, to this heritage. God called him to something. But sometimes we forget that he called him to leave. And the leaving part is just as important as the going part. I've got a picture of my dad and me up here, I think. Mm -hmm. Isn't he handsome? I miss his face. I get to see him tomorrow and celebrate Father's Day with him. I'm really excited. My dad is an amazing man of God. I'm a very fortunate young lady and not so young anymore, but um, (laughs) I'm very fortunate. Uh, I, I remember when I was working in Harrisonville, Missouri, I was on staff there at a church and Um, had come into contact with somebody who was working with a missions organization out of South America, and they were looking to recruit people to go out and recruit and train missionaries to send them into the field. And it fit right along with what my master's was in, and so it just made perfect sense for me to be able to go on this journey. Now, the thing is, it didn't pay any money. You raised all of your own support um, with Extreme, which was just fine because Chad and I were rolling in the dough. I was working on staff at a church, and Chad was an education teacher. I mean, you know, like these teacher salaries, they're just killer. And so, um, and we had three little boys and I, I know that the Lord is calling us. Chad and I have talked about it. We've really, we've dug in deep to like what the work is there. I mean, they, and and this was, um, good heavens. It's been 
12 years ago now, but all, in these last 12 years, Extreme has planted hundreds of churches all over South America. It's amazing to see the things that God has done through that organization. But I was at the very beginning. Nobody really knew anything about it. I mean, it was brand spanking new, like six months new. And it was a big risk to be able to, well, to go and to do this thing that nobody, and so all of the logical things in my mind say, your dad is not going to be cool with this. Um, my dad is a finance guy. Um, he loves the Lord, but his mind works in numbers and statistics and corporate levels um, in a way that my mind doesn't necessarily work all the time. And so he, I, I knew, so I call my dad and I'm like, dad, I, I told him the whole story leading up to this calling. And I said, I really feel like this is what the Lord's calling us to do. Chad and I are in agreement with this. And my dad said, Rachel, I just want you to be faithful to whatever God asks you to do. <sighs> I was thinking, man, like that's it. I just want you to be faithful to whatever God calls you to do. And my dad had experience in that. He spent one semester at Trevecca Nazarene University, and he felt a calling in that place to be a pastor, and he, he skipped out on it. He was like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be a pastor. I don't think I want to do that. And so then God has now given my dad three pastor children, which he probably he might regret that in some, <laughs> in some way. It probably would have been easier for him to be a pastor than have three pastor children. But it's, it's just amazing. And not only did my dad support us through his prayers and through his love and through his words, but he was the first person every month to donate so that we could feed our family and we could continue to work on this seven-year journey with Extreme Nazarene Missions. We have a father. I had a father who was faithful when I felt a calling to leave what I had and to go to new places. For you, it might look a whole lot different. For you, the idea of leaving and going probably doesn't mean that you're going to pack your bags and move to Africa. Like, it probably doesn't, statistically. But what is it that God might be calling you to leave behind so that you can go to where he's calling you to be? And Father, is there something going on in your lives right now that's keeping you from being the husband that you need to be? Is there something that's holding you back from being the father that you need to be? To be the leader. To be a man truly after God's own heart. Is there, what is keeping you from that? Because you're going to have to leave it if you're going to go anywhere. You've got to cut it out of your life. And it might be something that's good. You might be like, yeah, hey, I, you know, I play golf with my buddies on Friday. That's great. I'm not worried about that. But the Lord might be going, hey, I want you to be coaching your kids' little league team instead. You know, I know, I know you go out with your colleagues all the time to eat out for lunch or whatever. When's the last time you took your wife out to lunch? And those seem like really simple things, but in the grand scheme of the kingdom, it is a change of mindset. It is a worldview shift to say, I am going to leave behind... And maybe there's other things you need to be leaving behind. Maybe it's, maybe it's some pride in there. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's an addiction you've been clinging to way too long. All of these things, and God's saying, if you're going to go where I want you to go, you have got to leave that junk behind you. You can't carry it with you. The things that I have for you, that stuff can't go. 
You have got to turn around and leave it. Let God redeem those things in your life. You are not too tough to let go. You're not. As a matter of fact, it's the complete opposite. You want to show your children what it looks like to be a man of God? Then you give it up. You walk away. You have the strength to turn from that and to walk towards God with his help. And you lean on the Lord. You spend time on your knees in prayer. Forget what the rest of these 55.7 million men are doing. You do what God is calling you to do. Change the statistics. Break the status quo. Leave and go. And you're, you're really going to have to align yourself with the expectations that God has for you. It's really easy for us to align ourselves with our own expectations. To say, oh yeah, this is, this is who I am and this is who I was made to be and this is what it's going to be like. <laughs> the alignment of God's expectations and Abraham's expectations were way off. Abraham totally missed the mark and guess what that means? That means if you've missed the mark in the past, it's not too, later for, that to, it's not too late for that to be redeemed. Abraham was 75 years old when God called him to leave and go. When he said, the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea, that's going to be your descendants. And he's going, I'm 75. And God's like, no, 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 you didn't hear me. Let me repeat it so the person in the back row can hear. The stars in the sky and the sand on the sea, that's going to be your descendants, Abraham. So Abraham gets himself about 10 years down the road, and he goes, well, I think I figured it out. I think I figured out what the, I am going to listen to my wife, God bless her soul, and I am going to take her maidservant and we'll bear a son together and that'll be the lineage that God's calling me to. And so instead of waiting on God, oh, and we hate to wait, don't we? Like how many of you sent a text this week and 10 minutes later you're going, oh no, are they mad at me? They haven't texted me back. I wonder where they are. Are they okay? Do I need to call them? Where are they? Yeah, thank you, Julie, for being honest. Like we, we are not good waiters. We are not patient people. Abraham, I mean, he waited 10 whole years. Way to go, Abraham, except you still messed it up. You still didn't wait. Your will was not in alignment with the will of God. And Ishmael was born, and four years later, God shows up again. He's going, Abraham, you're going to have a son. He's like, I know, I already did that. Isn't that awesome, God? Look, look, I fixed the thing. You told me and the promise, and then I saw, and, and then I did. God's like, no, that was not the thing that I wanted you to do. That was not what I promised you. You're, you're getting ahead of the game. You're activating when you should be waiting. You should be listening, waiting for me. He jumps ahead. He ends up with Ishmael, and now God says, You've missed out on my big plan. You've missed out on the perfection of my plan. But it's not too late for me to redeem it. Again, guys, if you're looking at your past and you're letting that overshadow your future, God can redeem that. Like your future does not have to look like your past did. And the mistakes of your past do not have to change what God has for you in the future. God can still work. Even in the mess that we create ourselves, God is still working. 
So at 100 years old, Isaac is born. 100 years old. In Genesis, in chapter 3, when we go, we, we just shift back here a little bit. We're back to Adam and Eve. So they're in, they've sinned. They're in the garden. The serpent, you know, is in the woman and the, all that stuff. Like, they've sinned, and they're hiding out in the garden. God's like, hey, where are you? Even though he knows where they are. I love this story. I think it's fantastic. It's like the best parenting skills in the world. Like, when you know your kid's in trouble, and you're like, hey, so what are you doing back here? And they're like, yeah, it's perfect. So God does this whole thing with Adam and Eve, and then he comes to them, and he says, um, you've sinned, and they're like, yeah, we know. We know. We did it. We messed up, and God's like, yeah, but there's consequences for that. There are things that are now going to happen to every single human being in the human race forever because of the mistake you made. Thank you, Adam and Eve. And this is what God says. He says it to the woman. We'll start with Eve first. I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. I still have not forgiven her for that, because I'm not quite sure how it was going to happen before, but the, the fact that God even had to say that in here makes me uh, upset with her. So um, <laughs> in pain you'll give birth, and then he goes on to give, this, to give this result of sin, and I want you to hear this. This is because we sinned. This is because humanity broke our covenant with God because we stepped away, because we didn't live the way that God was calling us to live. This is what happened. And he's talking to Eve here, but I, I know Adam had to be listening in. And you will desire to control your husband. Now let's stop there for a minute. Ladies, I'm going to switch it up. You are not your husband's mama. Like, you married him. You are on equal ground in your household. That is what we believe. Everything in scripture that talks about honoring your husband, and he's supposed to treat you like the church, like Christ loves the church, that is because you are supposed to live in mutual respect for one another. You are not always going to agree, but women, you do not need to throw a hissy fit. And you do not need to try to control him. He already has a mama. He does not need you to be it. That's all. Now we're back in the word. Okay. You're welcome. You're welcome for that. You guys can, yeah, you can thank me later. Um, so, so then, but then it goes on to say, so Eve, women, you are going to desire to control your husband, but. But he will lord it over you. How many times have we seen women so broken in society? Because all they've wanted is was for a man to pay attention to them. Just want a man to care about them. Whether the attention is right or wrong, that is their desire. And because of that, we see this brokenness. And it creeps up in men, this pridefulness. And I'm not saying it from experience. I have an amazing husband. I'm saying it because the Bible says it. Gentlemen, you are going to struggle with pride. Just like I struggle with wanting my husband to desire me. Like I struggle with that. You are going to struggle with wanting to be in charge. With wanting to have everything your way. That pride that comes in, that, that need to control, you are going to desire it and want it. But it's not of God. And that pridefulness can break down your marriage and break down your family unit. 
And that, and that pride and that thinking I can figure this out on my own and I don't necessarily need to align myself with God's will because my will is right. I've got this figured out, Pastor Rachel. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I'm not. I'm just reading the Bible. So we've, we've got this, this great spans of disconnect when our will is not in alignment with the will of God. And this, this breakdown happens. And yet God still works. God still moves. He still heals. He still guides. The covenant that Abraham entered into with God was fulfilled. He was the father of Isaac and of Ishmael. But he also is claimed as the father of 50% of our global population. 50% of our world claims Abraham as their father. A man from 4,000 years ago. All of the Muslims from Ishmael's lineage, all of the Jews and the Christians from that Jewish heritage. Half of the world can sing the little song and do the dance except for the children. They could not sing and do the dance this morning. But all of the other people can sing and do the dance. It's okay. My daughter sat and cried the whole time. So listen, I am not, <laughs> there is no judgment there. No judgment. It was just a day. The legacy that Abraham left behind, he never even got to really see. He had a promise from God about what his heritage would hold, but all he ever saw was Isaac. He didn't see the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. He didn't see that 4,000 years later, 50% of the world would be either of his spiritual or genetical lineage. I, um, I really like Vincent Van Gogh's paintings. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was he's crazy, and I feel a little crazy sometimes too. That might be it. Um, but I, every time I look at the artwork that he did, it's just so masterful and beautiful and the mixture of colors and the shapes and the way they almost move as you watch them. They're just absolutely beautiful. Vincent van Gogh's life was cut short at the age of 37, he died. And at that point in his life, he had sold one painting. He did pretty well. It was like for the, um, about the price of 100 U.S. dollars which is pretty good for his time. He died with 800, at least 800 that we know of paintings stored up. And they stayed stored. And as, and as they discovered the value and the beauty of what Van Gogh had done, his paintings began to, to gain acknowledgement from the art world and, and even beyond. A man who died with really no heritage, no lineage, no hope at all. His paintings are, are now worth close to $7 billion. Oh my goodness, can you even imagine? Could you imagine if we could go back in time and we could say, Vincent, don't take your life Vincent, do you know what's in your future? Do you know what it holds? 
this promise and this hope, this gift that God has given you, because I fully believe that God gives giftedness even if we don't give it back to him. Like, God gives you this giftedness, and now you'll never see, you'll never know the beauty of what happened because you used your giftedness. Abraham was counted faithful because he believed what God said would happen, would happen. Does that, does that scripture sound familiar to any of you, like outside of Abraham? You feel like it's something that you've heard before maybe? Yeah. Yeah, because it happens again about 2,000 years after Abraham. A young 14-year-old girl who sits and an angel appears to her and says, you are going to conceive by the Holy Spirit the very Son of God. And her response is, you crazy. That's not her response. She says, let it be to me as you have said. And, and scripture doesn't say Mary was blessed because she, she gave birth to Jesus. She was, that's what it says. It doesn't say that Mary was counted righteous because she wept at the feet of her dying son, the son of God. It said that Mary was counted as righteous because she believed what God said he would do would come true. She believed. She was a woman of faithfulness, a giant of the faith. Abraham believed in all of those years of his life. His heritage is marked up to he was a man who believed. Some of you don't have that heritage. Some of you have a really cruddy heritage. As a matter of fact, I've had the conversation with many people at a lot of times, how am I supposed to love a father God when my father was so horrid or is so horrid? That's a really difficult question, isn't it? It's because we don't, we have to begin to not look at our fathers through the lens of the Heavenly Father, but we've got to be able to look through our fathers to the Heavenly Father. And we know that the Heavenly Father, in the way that He leads and He loves and He guides and He nurtures, is going to help to redeem any brokenness that comes from a horrible background and heritage. But it doesn't have to be that way for you. You get to be the new marker. You get to be the man of God who leaves behind the junk and follows after the Lord. You get to be the man of God who stands up in faithfulness who listens, who prays, who seeks God's face and follows. The man who teaches his family what it means to love Jesus instead of letting his wife do it all the time. You get to be the next step in a line of descendants that say, that was my father. That was my grandfather, my great-grandfather. You know why we're Christians today? Because my great-great-grandfather. You know why I'm a Christian today? Because a little old Wesleyan pastor went to my great-grandfather's house. Big old burly man with 11 children. Little tiny Wesleyan pastor. Loved my grandpa to Jesus, and it's changed my grandpa's life and his children's lives, and now my grandfather has, like, I don't, there's almost 20 of us in his lineage that are ordained. Crazy town. Why? Because a man said yes to God because he left and he went and he aligned himself with the Lord and his family was forever changed and it can happen for you too. 
it's not too late. Are you 76? It's not too late. Are you 90? Not too late for you either. Why? Because we see an example of what God has done, what God is doing. Today, I would just like to ask, um, we're going we're gonna to pray over the men of our church today. <laughs> we talked at the very beginning about this covenant that these two brothers made together. And I believe wholeheartedly in the power of accountability and covenantal relationships. When I look at you and say, I'm going to live this way, Julie, and you look at me and say, I'm going to live this way, Rachel, and we go, okay, we're going to hold each other accountable. There is great power in covenantal relationships with one another and with God. And so here in just a minute, gentlemen, if you are a male, you don't have to be a dad or a grandpa, or if you are a male in our congregation today, and you are willing to say, I want to take a step of covenantal relationship with God, I am willing to leave behind and I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to align myself with exactly what God has for me and for my family. I am going to step up. I'm going to put pride behind. I'm going to put behind what I think needs to happen. I'm going to quit trying to do it myself. And I'm going to allow God to guide me and to guide my family, to guide my ministry, to guide me as a leader, as a man of God. If you are willing to say that this morning, we want to pray for you. And I would just like to ask you to stand where you are, gentlemen. Now, moms and wives and daughters and friends, and you may be within, I'm actually going to come down here and put my hand on Chad, but you may be within in touching distance of, of your loved one. I'd like for you to just reach out and, and you can put your hand on them. Um, and for those of you that aren't close enough, you can just reach your hands out like this to a, a man that's near you and pray over him as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for each and every man that is standing in this place today. I ask God that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will give each of them wisdom and guidance. You will break down walls of sin, of hurt, of whatever it is that's holding them back from being everything that you are calling them to be, Lord. Will you just break those down today? We build them up in your name. I ask God that you will lead them to the places that you will have them to go and that they will be faithful to follow you. Align them with your will today, O oh God. And may they be held accountable to your will. May you be faithful to them, O oh God. And may they be giants of faithfulness on your behalf. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in your name today. Amen. I'd like to invite everybody to stand for the benediction. That's good stuff. We need you all. The church needs you. Your families need you. Before you go today, a couple of quick things. So, um, men, 
guys, as you leave today, women's ministries put together a little treat for you. It's awesome. You're going to love it. And so as you're dismissed, you're going to be dismissed by Rose. So I'm going to Benedict, then you're going to sit down. Um, and you're going to be dismissed by Rose. I ask that if you want to, if you want to hang out with each other, if you'll do that outside, we'd really appreciate it. Um, that helps us to continue to keep our building as clean and tidy as possible. So you can grab your treats. Um, if you haven't voted yet, this is the last minute you can vote. Voting is done at the end of service today. So if you've not voted, if you're a member of our church and haven't voted, do that um, and pick up uh, pick up one of the little annual reports. Those are for everybody. So even if you're not a member but you want to see what we've done and where our money's gone and all that kind of stuff, you can pick up an annual report. They're at the table out front. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Next week, 1030, not 11, not 9, 1030. We'll see you here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May, you. may he guide you by his Holy Spirit to do all of the good works to which he has called you. May he lead you on to generation after generation of God followers. Amen and amen. You may be seated.